Would you pray with me? God, you have been with us. You are the God that is with us. Thank you for your presence with us already today in the room. God, we just want to say from the God that we read about in Genesis, in the story of Hagar, that you are the God that sees us. You are the God that hears us. And in faith today, we believe that that is true. I believe for every student here, for every person feeling alone, for every person who feels like they are living hiding, that you are the God that sees. You are the God that hears. God, I testify to that in my own life, that you found me and you saved me. So God, would you just continue to be with us as we continue with this really difficult, intimate, necessary conversation today? Would you be in our words? Would you be in our ears? God, above all, would we hear that you love us? We leave it in your hands now. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'd just like to reiterate today what I said on Wednesday that today's chapel is rated M for mature. And that if at any point during the chapel you need to take care of yourself, uh, that you can feel free to leave the chapel. We do have some people out in the back who are ready to be with you if you need to be with someone. But would you take care of yourself today? Okay, would you feel free to leave if you need to do that? We have a panel today, and I'm going to ask them to come up and find their seat while I'm introducing them. We have Dr. Jesse Mittendorf is a general superintendent emeritus for the Church of the Nazarene. He was a pastor for 28 years. That's pretty incredible. 28 years, wow. Thank you. Uh, he spent 17 years in administration after pastoring, and now he is the executive director of the Center for Pastoral Leadership at Nazarene Theological Seminary. He's going to help facilitate our discussion today. Thank you, Dr. Jesse, for being here today. We also have Amy Reardon is back with us, and she was with us on Wednesday. She's joining us. And then we've added two other people to our panel today. And I'd like to introduce you to Sarah and Andy McGee. And you can welcome them. Yeah. Andy and Sarah co-pastor, I'm going to try and attempt this, the Midtown Family Trinity, Trinity. Sorry, I screwed it up. <laughs> the Midtown. Trinity. Trinity Family. Midtown. Midtown church of Nazarene. I didn't get it right. They co-pastor a church. <laughs> right? They are also uh, the co-directors of Love Wins LGBT, a ministry to the LGBTQ community in Kansas City, Missouri. So they're going to share a bit about that ministry with us today. If you haven't been at their table, they've been in the student center, so you have a chance to, um, to meet with them there. 
And also, they will uh, be with us in a conversation in the PDR, in the President's Dining Room after this, over lunch. If you have questions for them, we'll have a conversation there. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Thank you for wading into uh, difficult waters with us and leading us. Um, and so, would you just give them your undivided attention and... Um, let me just pray one more prayer for us. God, I pray that, that as we engage in the discussion today, that you would protect us, that you would love your children as the beloved, that we would sense that today. God, thank you for being with us. Amen. Thank you, Lynn. And it is such an honor to be a part of this conversation today. I, uh, I have watched this conversation, have participated in this conversation for years now. I find it uh, difficult, I find it fascinating, I find it encouraging. There are times when I find it um, upsetting, and I find us in uh, a setting like this, at a time in uh, your lives, in our lives, where we need to have a conversation. We need to talk. We also, perhaps I should put this first, we need to listen. Listening to one another is probably more important than our having our own say. So what I hope we begin today is a conversation that you will carry forward, that you will spend time engaging in without fear, without recrimination, without accusation, without uh, bitterness, but understanding that uh, it is a crucial conversation for all of us. I represent that part of the church that uh, is the sponsoring church for Eastern Nazarene College. Uh, we are unapologetic about education in the Church of the Nazarene. We have nine colleges and universities across the USA and Canada. Uh, we have um, a seminary, a Bible college. We have 54 colleges and seminaries and Bible colleges around the world. So education is important to us. You're invited to be a part of the educational process. You don't have to be a Nazarene to be at Eastern Nazarene College. Amen? Uh, you don't have to be. The Church of the Nazarene is passionate about education and willing to offer it to anyone with this deep conviction that God is the source of all truth and that the more we study and investigate, the greater our grasp of truth. And we have the right, no, we have the responsibility to learn everything we possibly can learn and share it with everyone we can possibly share it with. And so we have uh, high schools, uh, grammar schools, high schools, colleges, universities around the world because we believe so much in education. 
We require that our clergy not just be trained, but that they be educated. So it matters to us. You're in a setting that is the outgrowth, and has been for over 100 years, the outgrowth of that kind of conviction, that kind of philosophy, that kind of, of uh, spiritual commitment. Now, the Church of the Nazarene is named after Jesus the Nazarene. And we honestly believe that he is the most important figure who ever lived. And that somehow, in ways that we are always trying to find uh, the best way to do it, we need to orient everything we are around Christ as the center of our lives. So when you come onto a campus like this, we don't demand that you be a Nazarene. We don't even demand that you agree with us in our understanding of Scripture or that you even be a, a, a Christian. What we do ask is that you recognize that this is what drives us. This is who we are. But when we invite you here, we invite anyone who is at all interested in, a, in receiving an education to walk onto the campus and work in and among us to be a part of a learning community. And we do it with a radical hospitality. This radical hospitality is a part of who we are in the Church of the Nazarene. We do believe following Christ is essential. But we don't believe that everybody has to follow Christ our way. And so we open our arms to say that we invite everybody without judgment to be a part of this learning community. Now, having said that, it still is a part of what we call the Church of the Nazarene. It's one of the institutions that are important to us. And so I, I think you'd expect that we, we want to do our best to be a representation of what it means to follow Jesus Christ without forcing anybody else to do the same thing or to believe in the same way. That gets down into levels and levels and levels of conversation about a variety of things. And some of those things we have been talking about or you have been talking about this week are a part of the kinds of conversation we have to have. In the Church of the Nazarene, we have a, a statement on human sexuality. Uh, it, it's included in your handbook as a uh, a part of what you receive when you come to ENC. It expresses who we in the Church of the Nazarene are, what we believe about human sexuality. And here's what we believe. God made it. God created us as humans, as sexual beings. And that is not wrong. In fact, I've been married 54 years I like the idea that God created us as sexual beings. Oh my, do I like it. It's, uh, don't want to embarrass anybody. And my wife is probably wishing right now I'd shut up. But I, we have a wonderful, wonderful relationship. We've tried to walk through wrestling with the issues of our own sexuality in my work as a pastor, as a minister. And I've, I'm very well aware of the fact that all of us, all of us, 
all of us are broken. We're broken at profound levels. And our only hope for that brokenness is God's help. And so we seek to find ways to bring our brokenness into his presence and allow him to work in our brokenness. We're broken in different ways. So we have no right to claim that we are not broken, but you are. What we have to say is we are all broken. So how can we walk together in our brokenness to find the best way we can find to come to the most highly flourishing life that each of us can have. I believe it's always going to be in Christ, but we want to help everyone flourish the best they possibly can. And anything we can do to help that happen for you, we will. Now, one of the places of confusion is how we deal with the various expressions of sexuality. We believe scripture is pretty clear. God created heaven and earth, dark and, dark and light, uh, all those dualities, and in the, that, he created man and woman. We believe that's a part of the plan. The plan got broken. And now we're having to deal with the brokenness of the plan, knowing that eventually God is going to bring the plan back together. And we participate in that in Christian community. So in this brokenness, we have to talk about tough things at times. And I love what these three people represent for us today in this whole conversation about human sexuality and some of the ways in which we don't quite understand what is broken and what is not broken and how we walk our way through that. You, you may know a little bit about uh, Andy and Sarah, so let me just ask you all, give us a little background about what you do and why you do it. So we actually, our church began as a seminary assignment. We actually never wanted to be a church, but we had been going out into the bar scene. That is how our church actually started. We had a calling to connect with the LGBTQ community in Kansas City. I sang a lot of karaoke, long story short, and <laughs> as we built relationships, God kept leading us to be a community, and so we meet on Thursday nights because our people don't show up on Sunday mornings. Believe us, we've tried. We also meet on Sunday nights, so we're night pastors, <laughs> and it's just been amazing because most of the people that are coming to our church are not Nazarene or they've been hurt by a church, or they don't have another place they feel that they can go and be welcome. And so what we also do as a part of our local church in the greater ministry is that we help to resource and equip the Church of the Nazarene and how to build bridges into the LGBTQ community while still maintaining our Nazarene polity. We all can admit that the church has not always done the best job at loving people or extending grace. So our goal is to help the church love better. And where we are in our current conversation is how we do that. We help with listening. We help in facilitating conversations. We're present. And 
we genuinely just love people. And so that's a little bit about us. I'm going to let Andy talk for a second. Um, so out of that, um, our church, 75% uh, of our church identifies as somewhere in the spectrum of LGBTQ+. Um, and like she said, as a part of that, we have a larger ministry. I always say we're a little church with a big ministry attached. So we travel and speak. And it tends to be about 30 weeks out of the year. Um, just helping churches navigate this conversation because uh, like Dr. Middendorf is saying, you know, we want the church to have this radical hospitality. The problem is, is that our um, LGBTQ brothers and sisters don't feel that radical hospitality. Last night I was with the, um, the student group that was meeting and that, that's the one thing I took away was, you know, I, for, I think there was a comment at one point that someone said, you know, for so long I felt welcome here, and then all of a sudden this week I don't feel so welcome. Um, so that's what we're trying to help people work on. And can I just say this, just throw this in real quick? Uh, one of the things, we had a meeting after that meeting last night, and one of the things I said there was Sarah and I were with the faculty group, one of the faculty groups, and listening to them and then listening to students talk, uh, I told Lynn, I said, there's a breakdown here. Because what I just heard was a faculty that was wrestling with how to be radically hospitable to the LGBTQ community, but for some reason it's not translating into, you know, into the lives of LGBTQ students or the rest of the community. And so, like, I just want you to know, like, even though at times you may not feel it, this faculty, is, and I have, you know, they're not paying me to say this, this faculty is very interested in learning how to make this place a more loving and welcoming place. So uh, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, sure, good. Amy, you, you have quite a story in your journey, and you've shared it. You've been very candid, and that is so important to us. As we think about this journey, what is one thing you would want to say to the student body today about conversation? about our openness to one another? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I know, and I'm, I'm an empath, if anyone knows what that is. <laughs> I can feel, it feels like everything around me this weekend. And conversation about this is so, so tension-filled, but so, so important. And as I was discussing with some people yesterday that I've really never been to a college campus like this where this is actually starting to come up. Um, it's usually pushed down. We're not going to talk about it. Um, I'm so glad that this is happening. So I know that this has, um, even me sharing my story the other day, had stepped on some toes. I did not intend to do that. I, it's really hard to have these conversations, but that's what I think is so wonderful about this, is it's not just us. This isn't about us speaking to you and going home. This is about you. This is, I want to hear from you. We all want to hear from you. The faculty here wants to hear from you. They genuinely, genuinely do, uh, which I think is wonderful, um, just wonderful. I, I never really see this. this this part of the process of uh, faculty really, it's normally we have to make them do this or we have to this or, but it's not like that here. So I just wanted to really back up what Andy said that this, the faculty has your best interest at heart and I believe that they're safe people 
to turn to. I, I think one of the things that you all have uh, referenced in one way or the other is the fact that this conversation often creates fear. It creates fear in the church, in churches, local churches, especially conservative evangelical churches like the Church of the Nazarene. I have people say to me, why do we have to talk about this? And I'm trying to say, because if you're not talking about it, you don't realize what's going on in your own local church. That there are people needing to have a conversation, people who need to know they are loved and accepted, even though you may not agree with how they live, do you love and accept them enough that they have a place to feel that they can be acknowledged and welcomed? These conversations are not easy. In the Church of the Nazarene, we hold very strongly to our statement on human, se human sexuality because ultimately we believe that God has a will, a desire for every one of us to know him so well personally, dynamically, that our lives become a reflection of his presence through us loving everyone around us. Now, we express this radical hospitality in the Church of the Nazarene in that we are literally around the world constantly trying to bring all kinds of people into our churches and into the kingdom of God, not to try to make everybody Nazarene, but to try to turn everyone we can toward Christ who is our hope. And in light of that, then, once we are together and we're having conversations, how do we uh, deal with the fact that we will not always agree with one another? Can we agree to disagree and disagree agreeably? That's not an easy step for us to take about anything. Hey, I've been married 54 years, I can tell you. Uh, agreeing about everything is not always possible. Uh, I have three kids, one of each. It's, it's a crazy world where you can have kids who from the same two parents living in one home become that different from one another, and yet those are my kids. And I want them to feel the embrace and love of Susan and me everywhere we have the opportunity to be with them. We have to learn to talk with one another. We have to learn to listen to one another. And we have to be willing to allow someone to speak with whom we may not agree, but listen with the heart and not with just the intent to straighten them out. That's not an easy place to be. Can we listen to one another without having to fight over our issues and our positions. And again, under the understanding that the ultimate objective for those of us who follow Christ passionately is that we want everyone to discover what we've discovered. Everyone to discover what we've found in him so that what we have discovered, so they understand that what we've discovered means that every human being whoever they are, can find their ultimate fulfillment in him. Whoever we are, our ultimate fulfillment is found in him.
you shared a bit of that with me last night over supper. That seems to be behind your ministry. And in your ministry, the objective is what? We want to love people as they are and where they are. And one of the things, especially about being a pastor, and I am speaking as a pastor, that I am committed, and I know Andy is as well, that we are journeying with people on every step of the way. Like when we have agreements or disagreements, people, they often say they don't know how much they're loved until they see how much you care. We have cared in so many different ways. I have driven to pick people up from the casino because they spent their bus fare on gambling. I have gone out on the late night calls because someone was drunk at the bar. I, and I know that those are some probably dark and slightly controversial places, but Jesus went to those places too. Jesus journeyed in every aspect of someone's life and wasn't afraid of how they would look. Like We're not 1991 Barbies in the box. It's okay for some sequins to pop off the dress in your hair to get a little disheveled and you miss a heel, okay? Because Jesus hung naked on a cross, beaten and bruised for us. So it doesn't hurt for us to go into those places. I have people literally in my church of all backgrounds. We have a homeless man who comes in half naked and digs through a dumpster, but he knows that when he walks in the building, someone is going to come up, even if it's halfway through one of our sermons, and give him a plate of food and bring him there. He comes in because he knows he can, and he's loved, and he's welcomed. I have a drag king that comes to my church actively out on a Wednesday night in sidekicks, singing and doing their thing. I helped them move a couple of weeks ago, and yes, it was stressful. My Chevy Astra only holds so much, and the phone calls were like, where are you? What do I do? But when I pulled up to the place that they're staying, they're staying with another drag king performer. And when I got out of the van, I opened the back of it to get that chest of drawers out that was just its own breed of special. I kid you not, the most rewarding thing out of that was hearing my congregant go, this is my pastor. I have a drag king that lives in that house that doesn't go to church anywhere else, but they saw that a pastor cared enough didn't have to go, well, do I help a drag king move or do I not? Just go and being present and helping people with where they are in their lives is going to lead to opportunities to get to know their story, to get to love them. If you don't know how to love someone, ask them how they need to be loved. It's okay. And Jesus gives you permission to love people because when it is the Great Commission, when we're going forth and making disciples everywhere, that means everywhere, okay? We don't need to be afraid of where we're going because Jesus called us there. And the other thing is we shouldn't be afraid because perfect love casts out fear. If we don't know something, we can ask. Ask God how to do it. Ask the other person that you're working with how to do it. Admit that maybe you're not always going to get it right, but they know that you care. They know that you love them. They know that you're going to be able to listen to the questions or the doubts. And if we can't talk about things in church, we are doing ourselves a disservice, because people are going to talk about it somewhere else, and they're going to set a standard somewhere else. And when we go out into those bars, and we have to build those relationships and those walls, and they take time, it breaks my heart because some of those people were in the church, and they left. And then we wonder, why is it so hard to reach them? Why, why can't we get back in? Because we didn't create a place in the first place. Whether we agree, whether we disagree, it's about anywhere else that you can go, it takes guts to walk into a church. And when someone is there, they could be anywhere else. Believe me, a Thursday night, they could be playing darts at the bar. They could be going to a concert. They could be doing anything else. But they chose to come to a place of community. They chose to come to a place where they could gather around, where they could seek together. My time is up on that. Sorry. Well, so that's what thank we do. You, Sarah.
powerful. You've just described the difficult place of being Christ in a broken world. It takes patience. Yes, it, does. it takes time. Yes, it, does. it takes love. It takes courage. And we won't fix this conversation in a week or a year. But if we can begin to be engaged at a deep enough level that those who believe so strongly in the position that the church takes in its, uh, its view of human sexuality still are open enough in their love for others that they can have the conversation, we will be able to make a difference in the world. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of this conversation with you. I hope that you'll start listening. Start listening. Listen to one another. Have this radical hospitality. But for those of us who are deeply, radically committed to Jesus Christ, understand that it is not because we think we're better than you. It's because we know what we've found and we'd give anything if you could find that too. And then... Christ will help you be all that Christ wants you to be. That's his promise. Thank you. We wanted to end the week by putting some resources into the hands of our students uh, so that we will continue the conversation. We are committed to that. Last, uh, last night, our conversation that began at 5 ended around 10. Um, and when we left the room, there were still people, you know, that we, myself included, that you need, just need to say, be quiet. Um, but um, some things that we wanted to do to put in your hands. So we have, uh, we have created sort of a team of faculty and staff of 10 people um, who have committed to being a resource for our LGBTQ students. And uh, let me just read them off here. Let me just say who these people, what these people have committed to doing. They have committed to engage in active listening, to withholding judgment, to serve you in a non-advisory role, what I mean by that is listening without telling you what to do with yourself. Lastly, to provide confidence, except in cases where Title IX violations and or threats to harm herself or others might be disclosed in accordance with our institutional policy, but to provide confidentiality. So these uh, 10 people can be sought out for any conversation, for any conversation, and have agreed to this for you. Um, we'll send out this information in multiple ways, but I just want you to look at that list if you're an LGBTQ student and look at a name on that list and say, well, maybe that is someone that I could go to and start, start there and feel safe there and feel like you are cared for there. 
We're going to close with a song uh, that declares uh, Christ again in our Christian community. And one last thing that I want to say that I've actually wanted to say for a long time is that we know, um, we know who we are here. We know that in our Nazarene college community that 30% of us are Nazarene and that 70% of us are not. And that in any, at any moment, in any chapel, I wouldn't want you to feel like you had to conform to something that you were not. If we stand to sing and you don't know what standing while we sing means, then sit. Feel the freedom to do that. As I walk around the chapel, and I do that sometimes, I'm not walking around to spy on anyone. or to. I'm walking around to get a sense of who is in the room and what's important for us to share when we're in the room together. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that. We, we recognize that. So let's stand if you want. <laughs> Sit if you want, but let's close in a song. here seeking you, knowing that, that we are a fragile creation, that we come broken in need of you, in desperate need of you. And I pray that you give us the sight to recognize that in others and in ourselves so that we can start to have this conversation, this conversation of love that, that seeks only to build each other up and not to tear each other down, it seeks to, to really understand that where we are is a product 
of our brokenness and of, of the world that we live in and the choices that we've made, but that doesn't have to be the way it is. The fact that there's a better way in Christ, in community and in love. So as we leave here today, we pray that you give us the strength to look past our own thoughts and ideas and perspectives and, and just really see people the way you see.